have your Bibles this morning, if you would open up the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. And while you're turning there, our children, kindergarten through sixth grade, they are dismissed to kids' church. In Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. says this, therefore I, turn to your neighbor and say, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with one another making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you and I praise you for the power of your word this morning. That God, that as we get to come and and we get to reflect and we get to celebrate that, God, that we understand that this is not just a, a morning where we look backwards, but, God, we also look ahead. And so, God, as we do, Lord, let your word lead us. Let your word uh, surround us and speak into us this morning, God, not just our graduates, but, God, for each and every person that is here. Lord, let us live by the power of your word. God, anoint our hearing and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And let us respond. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Today is a day of celebration. As families have, have we have come as a church family to join together and and sit or stand shoulder to shoulder with those families who have come to celebrate their graduates. By the way, I know Franklin County is an open graduation. It's going to be May 21st. Hart County, is it an open graduation? Hart County will be graduating in about a month. Stay tuned if, if everyone's able to come or if it's a ticketed event. That's still yet to be determined. But, but we understand that these days of graduation, these days mark a milestone. And I think sometimes, though, we have the wrong idea about this idea of graduation. Um, I know when I graduated from high school and when I graduated from college, uh, that it was, for me, marking the end of that academic journey. And we think of 
about ends and specifically when things come to an end. But I want to challenge us this morning and specifically with regards to the transitions that we face in life and like graduation or moving that we understand that today is not about just an end, but it is about a beginning. We see, we understand. It's interesting if you know uh, graduation, what do we call those ceremonies? We call them what? Commencement ceremonies. Commencement, of course, does not mean the end, but rather commence means to begin. And so commencement, uh, graduation, is all about what is now getting ready to go forward. You see, this morning I want to talk and I want us to look to for a few moments about what is to come and the adventure that awaits. How many of you like a good adventure? I love adventure. Sometimes we have some people, they just like to stay in their four walls or their one square block. But I like to explore, like to have adventure. And for our graduates this morning, this world that in life that is in front of them is truly an adventure that is awaiting them. And so... I am reminded this morning of one of my favorite authors, the one that I can really understand, Dr. Seuss. One of his favorite and certainly most memorable books uh, is, Oh, the Places You Will Go. And I just want to quote from the beginning of that book, because this is what Dr. Seuss says about adventure and places that we will travel and go. He says, Congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're in your own. And you know what you know. And you are the one who will decide where to go. Oh, the places you'll go. What an encouraging call, not just for our graduates this morning, but for every single one of us in this room today. Oh, the places that we will go. This marks today, whether we are hitting a milestone in our life or not, we understand that this morning we get to come and mark a direction. Where will we set out from here? Our graduates, some of them are going to school. Some of them are staying at home and going to school. Some of them are beginning a, a work career. But regardless of where our graduates are and what they think is in store for them, it is the mark of a new direction when they graduate. And the question I ask, not just of them, but for you and I, what does Monday morning mark for you and I? What does Monday mark for us? What does today beginning? Oh, my prayer for each of us is that we will come this morning and that as we reflect upon the things that God has done in our life and that we have come to celebrate and testify of in this service this morning, we also have a direction and an understanding of where we want this coming week to go with our lives, with our actions, with our words, with our testimony. And this morning in our text, what I want us to look to in Ephesians chapter 4 is, is Paul is giving us these instructions. In fact, the entire book of Ephesians is really a, uh, all about the church and instructions to the church and instructions to us as believers. And if we were going to look at the heart of Ephesians, uh, you could argue that Ephesians 4 is the heart uh, of this message to the church. And what he outlines here, uh, what God outlines through the Apostle Paul here, is that our Four things that we need to have in life to embrace and experience the adventure. The adventure that God has for us 
us these four things we need. The first thing that we need is we need to be a child of God. We need to be a child of God. He, uh, Paul identifies himself. He says, I, a prisoner of the Lord. He is making this personal. It is not just about his, uh, his, his parents' faith. It's not about someone else's faith. It is about his faith that he personally is a child of God, a servant of the king, and a prisoner of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I don't normally go running to the description of saying, I want to be a prisoner. If I have the option of being a prisoner or being free, I'm going to choose freedom. However, so I began looking. And as you go through every translation conceivable, looking for another version or word for this word prisoner. And guess what I found? Zero variations. Zero other possibilities of what this word could translate as from the original Greek. Literally, that Greek word that is used there, it means in bonds, bound, captive, prisoner. You see, while we look at prisoner as being something that is restrictive, I want to challenge us to think of it differently when it comes to God. You see, when we are a child of God, us being his prisoner means that God is responsible for us. It means that he is the one that is responsible for our well-being. He's the one responsible for our care. He's the one responsible for everything that we eat, say, and do. It comes to him and him alone in making those decisions. It means that God is provider. It means that he is our protector. It means that he is the one who plans and guides our lives. And it is here that we understand. I want us to think about if God is uh, the one, if we are a prisoner to the Lord, and that he is the one that we are accountable to, what is it that God says about his character in terms of how he treats us as his quote-unquote prisoner? Oh, it's not. We have these mental images of what uh, a prisoner is treated like, in the, and we think of the negativity, but this is what God says about his plans, his protection, and his provision for us. Look at Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 with me. And it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. You see, when you are a prisoner, it means that you have a very limited viewpoint. If you are a prisoner in a jail cell, guess what? You get to memorize those four walls or three walls and a gate or whatever it is that's holding you in. We begin to, maybe if you were there, you would begin to count the number of bricks or blocks that form the wall of your cell. And you looked with anticipation any break from that monotony. And what I think about, when I think about what Paul is writing here about us being a prisoner of the Lord, and we think about...
about God and his plans and his goodness and, and all of the future and the hope that he has for each and every single one of us. He says, if you, when you pray, and if you look for me with all your hearts, that's when you will find me. Unfortunately, I think in our own man-made, self-created freedom and liberties that what we have found ourselves and managed ourselves to do is that we've come to this place where we have become more self-reliant and when we have situations or issues, we look inwardly rather than looking wholeheartedly to God. And whether you are a graduate or whether you are a parent or whether we are just a believer that has come into service this morning, it does not matter who we are today. We must understand that we are a prisoner and called to be a prisoner of God because we are his children. We belong to him. And in belonging to him, he wants us to have good things that he wants to have us to have a future and a hope if we will just seek him with all of our soul, heart, and mind. If we will just go after him, he will take care of the rest. I remember when I graduated, I graduated as one of my high school was a class of 318. And I remember in the pre-grad things, they asked us for contact information for a 10-year reunion. If you know much about me, I'm a military brat. We moved every three or four years. So I'm thinking, I have no idea what my address is going to be in 10 years. And so this was my rationale at the age of 17. I am so close to my friends that I know that we are lifelong friends and we will never lose touch. And so I put down one of my friend's address as a contact. Do you know the last time I saw that person? June 7th, 1992, when I graduated and walked across that stage. We think that our life is anchored in friends. In high school, for sure. I wanted to know that while we need to have those friends around us, our ultimate anchor is and always needs to be and must be God. He is one that goes with us wherever we go. He is one that will never leave us nor forsake us. And while friends may enter and exit our lives, while friends may be present and often in distance, we understand that God is always there with us. And so here we understand that if we want to experience the fullness of this adventure called life, we've got to be a child of God. The second thing that Paul tells us here is that we need a clarity about God. That we need a clarity of him. And those last several verses that I read in our text, he's being very clear about there is one body, there is one spirit. And, and he's making this, uh, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, and he's the Father of all. He's bringing into focus, he's bringing into a clarity about who God is. When I was in high school, I was... Uh, a junior in high school, and I was sitting at the back of the classroom, and 
I had this frustration and realization that all of a sudden the chalkboard, yes, we still had chalkboards, uh, was gotten blurry. I had trouble seeing what the teacher was writing on the board. In fact, one day I literally had to get up and move my desk to the front of the room so I could see. So I said, Dad, Mom, I, I need to go see the doctor. And of course, uh, they were like, how have you been seeing all along? And so I had glasses. Eventually in college I got contacts and, and thought, hey, things are great. I can see clearly as long as I have glasses on or contacts in. Until a few months ago. I noticed that my phone was becoming increasingly more and more difficult to read. And I kept putting it off, thinking, you know, you, you, you squint real hard, you, you bat your eyes, you focus. Okay, now I can read it. One Wednesday night, Tina and I were doing Bible study, and I opened the Bible to read, and it looks like black lines, just blurry lines all over the, all over the pages. Thankfully, I was familiar enough with the scriptures that I could fake my way through reading what the scripture said. <laughs> However, guess what I did? I went and ordered me a large print Bible. <laughs> so I have no difficulties anymore. And I went to the eye doctor and he said, you need you a pair of readers. And so now here is my reality at the age of 46 years old. Some of y'all are laughing because you're saying, ha ha, I told you, and you get here. And so now, if I'm going to do any reading on my phone, this is what I have to have. Clarity. It makes a whole lot more sense when things aren't blurry, doesn't it? Some of us have been trying to chase after God, and we have no idea what he looks like or what he sounds like. We say that we're a child of God, but and we say we're seeking after him. But because we have blurry vision with regards to who God is and what he looks like and what he sounds like in our life. All we're doing is stumbling through life. And for each and every one of us in here today, whether we are beginning a new adventure because we've graduated, whether we are beginning a new adventure because we're moving, whether we are simply staying put where we are at the moment, we need clarity about who God is and what his voice sounds like in our life. You see, when we have clarity, that becomes essential so that we do not have our journey or our adventure hijacked. Because believe it or not, the pirate picture that you saw David in is more than just something that we have fun with with regards to, oh, they're just you know jolly and fun. There is one who is going about seeking uh, whom he may devour. And he is his goal is to pirate or to hijack your life and mine. And what he does is he uses the circumstances.
circumstances. He uses the world around us. He uses false gods to distract us, to confuse us, to make life seem blurry. And before we know it, we have lost the clarity about who God is, what his word declares, and we're just wandering aimlessly in life. And we fall into the trap of thinking that every path is going to lead to the same God and lead to heaven. But the reality is that if we do not have clarity, we will find ourselves, oh, believing things that are not true because the world and the enemy is out to lead, to lie and to deceive us and to lead us in paths that are erroneous. And for our graduates today, for those that are going to college, let me just encourage you that as you begin this new journey, hope, find a clarity about who God is to you in your life and what his word declares about you and so that you know what it is that you believe. Because the world out there, every single person has an agenda and they want you to follow their agenda. And God says, seek me. Know who I am. Follow me. Our text says there is one. One Lord. There is one God. One Spirit. He is Father over all. And it is everything is through Him. Everything is underneath Him. The, the Ten Commandments says it. What, the very first commandment says it how? He says, have no other gods before Him. No gods of fame, no gods of popularity, no gods of power, no gods uh, of, of, of comfort, no gods of even apathy. And, and you know what the fastest growing religion in America today is? It's not Christianity and it's not Islam. The greatest faith in the world today is what they call the nuns. Fastest growing segment of our American population is people who declare that there is no God. And if we don't have clarity about who God is and about who He is to us, we can be deceived and follow down the wrong path. And so we need clarity. We also need a character like God. In verse 2, Paul writes, with all humility or humble, all gentleness, and all patience. Can you put verse 2 back up there for me? And here in these three descriptions, humble, gentleness, patience. What do you notice about two of those three descriptions? Two of those three descriptions are the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness and patience are listed and identified as being part of the fruit of the Spirit. And humility or humbleness becomes a very description about the character of who Jesus was when he walked this earth. And so we come this morning and we recognize that he says we are to follow our life, that we need these qualities, we need these characteristics in all of our study, in all of our uh, pursuing God. What's the purpose? The point of all of it is to be more and more like God each and every day. 
not to be godlike in terms of power, but to have his characteristics, to be patient, to be loving, to be all of those things. And so if we're going to be set apart, if we're going to truly be successful in this adventure called life, then we've got to say, I'm seeking God, and I want to be more and more like Jesus, and I want to reflect his heart, and I want to reflect his care, and I want to walk with him. I want to talk every single day with him. And so we need the characteristics of God. Oh, because when we find the characteristics of God, what this passage tells us is that we will find a unity in the spirit. What I love about unity in the spirit, one father, one spirit, we find the unity in the spirit, it means that no matter who we are and where we are, we're still connected. Today marks, as you know, the last Sunday that Pastor Zach is with us. And when we reflect on that, I'm thankful that we do not live in a hundred years ago where when people or individuals moved, there was a loss of relationship just because of, just had to be. But how incredible it is that in our day and age, that even as PZ follows the Lord and as God continues to lead him, not only will every one of these graduating seniors be able to still remain connected through technology, but spiritually speaking, we are all able to still be part of that unity of the Spirit. Serving one Father who loves us all and who unites us and joins us together. And so we need to make sure that we are living out that characteristics, that we need the character of God moving and working in every single one of us. And the fourth and final thing that we need in this adventure is that we need a call from God. Now when I say a call, half the room immediately said, I am not called to be a pastor. Sometimes we think that's all a calling really is, Right? You've got to be a preacher, a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, and that's what calling is all about. And those are callings, yes, but that is not the call that God is talking about here in Ephesians 4. Every single one of us needs a call. What is the call to every believer? Can you put up verse 1 back? Live a life worthy of the calling that which you have been called to. So what is the call of God on every single person in this room? It is the call to walk in a manner which is worthy of God. Hmm. I want us to really reflect on the depth. That's the Amplified Version, isn't it? read this amplified version. I appeal to you, or I urge you, I implore you, hear the, the calling, hear the, the depth of Paul's emotions here. He's urging, he's imploring, he's begging. He says to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, 
personal integrity, and mature behavior, a life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. And therein lies the calling on every single one of us. And so for graduates, as you embark in this adventure that is post-high school, oh, I implore you, I urge you, I appeal to you as Paul does here, and I appeal to you to walk in a manner in God which is worthy, oh, that is to live a life that exhibits godly character, that has moral courage, that has personal integrity and mature behavior because it is there, oh, that there can be an expression of who God is in your life and you can fulfill the calling that God has for you. And when we, when we grab a hold of that, it's then that we're able to hear more clearly the other thing. We're able to hear more clearly the decisions, the jobs, the doors that may or may not be open. It is there that we begin to realize God is orchestrating, he's weaving things together. And while we may not understand and see everything, we can trust him who does. And so... How many of us, if I were to ask the question today, how many of us want to live a life that is fulfilled, happy, and satisfied? Every single one of us would risk. That's how we feel. That's what we want. But I'm going to tell you, you cannot live that life without the tools that God has given us. Without being a child of God without having a clarity about who God is, without having a character that is like God, and without fulfilling the call of God to walk worthy in our lives. When we do, what an incredible adventure. 